gonna make him an awfully gamble for you. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. 1.21 gigawatts! I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. This is Sparta! You shall not pass! Here's Johnny. Uh, there was a Under your butt. Welcome to the briefcase. You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Hello, and welcome to the briefcase, a show that attempts to encompass everything filmmaking from an independent filmmaker's point of view. I am your host, Matt, and sitting across from me is my Vincent to my Victor and Quentin to my Robert, but most importantly, my business partner and co-host, Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? What up? <laughs> How's everything? Good, man. You know, Good. just a little sweaty from running around switching mics, <laughs> picking up an AM station or maybe some alien waves. I don't know what the fuck we were picking up. Speaking of aliens, very, very quickly, I had this crazy, crazy thought. If we ever came in contact with an alien race, you know what? That's a really good story idea. I'm going to hold it. Okay. I'm going to hold <laughs> All it. All right. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm with it. Uh, let's just pay the bills. This episode is sponsored by The Comic Collective. The Comic Collective is a group who has come together to celebrate and share their love and passion for comics, cosplay, and everything in that growing community. If this sounds like you or someone you know, head over to Instagram and search the underscore comic underscore collective and follow them for everything comic book related. This episode is also sponsored by Westchester Fight Club. Let's face it, summer is right around the corner and the only shape I'm in is round. But... I know that I have the ultimate backup plan because the staff over at Westchester Fight Club will help me reach that beach body goal I've had for so long. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff will help you reach any goal you have in mind, whether it's losing a few pounds, learning how to defend yourself, or even getting yourself on a personalized meal plan. Mike Chirico and his dedicated crew will be there every step of the way. So if you're in the greater metro area of New York, come and check out the Westchester Fight Club. So... I have this bad habit of overthinking things, and I know I'm not alone. Um, Shout-outs to the overthinkers, by the way. Um, and this episode is no exception. I'm exce- right here. I- <laughs> uh, this episode is no exception. So when I sat down to do the research uh, and write up a little bit about our guest, I actually sat and stared at a blank page for about an hour. Then it finally came to me. Let someone else do the work. <laughs> so without further ado, I'd like to our guest to introduce ourselves ladies and gentlemen we have joel weiss uh, joel weiss how the hell are you i'm great i really am i'm in the bronx i'm so happy and uh you know i'm with you matt and, oh, shucks. and dave and i'm i'm raring to go here as a ham it's such you a got ham. it i love it i i see you got the 20 dollars i paid you to say oh, all that was 20 dollars too much money i was so excited about it i man. wanted to make sure i, I think we could have got away with like a subway sandwich <laughs> oh yeah that no but it's no? free I can't oh you're gluten free now we gotta go to jersey mike's i want to go i really want to go to jersey mike's by the way no, i ain't doing nothing after this they're great <laughs> no they're really good but you know you here that's a good thing for the show yeah. the thing is that um you have all these smilers and delis where they're like master music. No, arti- of course. Oh, not artistic artists. They make the greatest sandwiches in the world. The New York City has the greatest sandwiches. I'm all about a good fucking sandwich. Oh, really? Hands down. Yeah, by, uh, by where I live, there's a 24-hour deli. Right. So if I ever, like, because I, I live in the sticks. Right. I live upstate in the sticks. So there's not like a bodega I can get to. Right. That's what I meant. The gas, the gas station closes at nine, but there's a 24-hour deli 20 minutes away. So worth it. And, and, 
to Joel's testament, that's like living in New York and ordering Domino's or Papa John's. Why would you do that? We have the best pizza, pizza the best right. bagels. Like it's all in the water. But I'm mental. I like Domino's. I really do. <laughs> to be fair, so I do like I. cardboard. So do I don't I. know, <laughs> but I like it. The way they cook, the well doneness and everything. My wife hates it, but I love it. I'm kind of in the same boat yeah. with you. I don't know, I'm kind of spoiled now because upstate there's like this little like Italian, old school Italian place. Really? Well, when that, you got that, yeah, that it's like. All the products are straight from Italy. The mm. oil, the bread, everything. That's not everything. Mount Kisco, right? Past Mount Kisco. He's, he's way past There's that. an Italian restaurant next to the train. Joe, Joe's is something. You gotta go there. You By Mount Kisco? Yes. It's oh, okay, right it's not to, too far. You, oh, don't no. have to, you don't have to twist yeah, his arm yeah, to go yeah. eat food. No, yeah. no. This place, <laughs> the Ville Parmesan there, used to be at the Grand Concourse. It was Concourse Pizzeria. He... he he moved there, and they, all my friends took me there because it's like a reunion. And all oh, the food is great. No, uh, really, really, okay. really. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll give it a shot. Okay. We'll, no, we'll you'll do like it. it. We'll you'll do like it. it. Yeah. And the romantics, romantic next to the train and everything there. I don't know if that, to me, it's romantic. Give the train. I don't know. <laughs> You're, you, you and I, we're, we're different guys. We no, like trains. Like trains, train tracks, the whole, the mysticism of the, the you, rails. You are definitely my Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> you are, you are my no, Sheldon Cooper. Not. I've been saying that for years. You have been. And you need to watch the show. Yeah. Oh, you don't watch Big Bang? That, yeah, I'm, he I'm not, does not watch Big Bang. I'm theory. not. It's almost over. I know. I'm not a fan of sitcoms with laugh tracks. I, oh, and I get I'll that. Tell I never you, noticed, I'll though. tell you when I laugh. I know. You don't tell me when I laugh. And I get that, but... Um, I think it was um, How I Met Your Mother. I didn't realize the laugh track until season four until you mentioned something. You're like, it has a laugh <laughs> track. I'm, I was like, it has a laugh track? I'm the great ruiner. <laughs> but there's a great episode where they ruin stuff for each other. Like, for example, there's a part that like, um, she's like, what do you mean I chew like, yeah, you chew loud all the time. Oh, so yeah. then like, you hear this glass shot and she's like, oh my God, I've been chewing like a horse this whole time. <laughs> like they, they do that to each other. It's hysterical. <laughs> That's what friends do. Yeah. Ruin things. So... <laughs> Yes. Intro, you know, pleasantries aside. So our guest Joel here, why do we bring him on, Dave? Joel um, is an actor, first yes. of all. <laughs> the reason. But he's also from the Bronx. So Let's get to the point. I begged you guys. I was outside <laughs> there. I was begging, please, I, I want to get on your show. It's so great and so much fun. And you guys are so funny. I got to be on it. And I'm begging for it. What... Uh, I can get a job from it. I can get. I can work at Subway. Joel, if I have to pay you any more money, I'm going to be broke. Oh no! Yeah, twenty dollars is too much. I just slipped another ten in your shoe. Oh my God! I'm rich. I'm really rolling here. So you're gonna oh, take. You're gonna take us to Joe's now. Oh yeah, Joe. Uh, there we you go. Tell, well, he's got the car. He's got the car Dave and the appetite. Take, right. Oh yeah, I always have an appetite. <laughs> Even after I eat, I still have an appetite. <laughs> so yes. let's. Let's, uh, what we do here, obviously, at the jump, I said we're a couple independent filmmakers talking about filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, last episode, we had the great Layla, and she talked. Layla T. Rosario. Don't forget the T. She talked about filmmaking from a behind the scenes point of view. Okay. Uh, producer, uh, DP. Uh, we have you here with us. So, some of the stuff I want to talk about today is filmmaking from in front of the camera. Okay. You have a very long career. I have. And if I, I found an interview with you, and I, I, I read it very quickly, and I found that, and, and I'm going to say it, I don't want to, uh, this episode isn't about that, and I told you beforehand, this episode's not about it, but Joel, one of Joel's biggest roles was being in The Warriors. Right. And in the Iconic, inter- iconic, iconic movie. Cult classic to this day. Yeah. But close to that movie, bigger cult classic, is Fought the Movie. Joel Weiss was in that too, but we won't talk about that. That'll be another episode. Fair enough. I can live with that. I'm okay it with that. It really stinks, that movie, for real, and that's not a joke. I've done a lot so, of those kind of movies, okay? Before we get to the, yeah. the triumphs and the tragedies, okay. it said, the interview said, and, and if I'm mistaken, please correct me, that The Warriors was your first feature. It was. What a first feature to be in. I know. Let me ask you something. When you were in that, did you, did anybody realized like what was happening like did you realize that it was going to be the like i know i know cult classics take yeah. time yes they're like a slow burn yes but when you guys were doing it did you guys have some kind of something no uh most everybody in the film were um first timers mm-hmm. or they like michael beck did uh television show and stuff like that he did um with meryl streep he, he played her brother in uh, oh god if i got it right now it's okay but uh, and each one had, but most everybody was a rookie, mm-hmm. and everybody was thrilled to get the job. 
and everybody has a story how they got the job. I broke into Walter Hill's office. I was an actor who won, read, I'm from the Bronx, so I read the book, The Wanderers, 22 times. I, I'm going to be in The Wanderers. So every actor would come up to me, Joe, I just met the director for Warriors. I made a mean face at him. I think I got a part. I'm not going to be in The Warriors. I'm going to be in The Wanderers. Then another guy, a great friend of mine, Sid, he says to me, Joel, I just met for The Warriors, and uh, I think I got a part in this, and I think you should go up to Paramount and do this. I said, I'm going to be in The Wanderers. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? Another, another film that was shot in the Bronx, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and I got a part in that, and I got cut. Uh, I didn't, no, no, I didn't get a part. I got the part, but when Phil Kaufman, the director, found out I was in The Warriors, he uh, made a rule. Anybody, I was going to be Turkey. Turkey is the, uh, part of the Foden Baldies. He shaves his head off. Alan up. Rosenberg got the part, and also David Patrick Kelly, who played Luther in Warriors. Yeah. He was the head of the Ducky Boys. Goodbye. Every picture was down from that. Uh, but moving so- on with the Warriors, I, um, I um, broke into Walter's office, yelled, I, oh, well, I got up, the, I was auditioning. Okay. <laughs> and not for the Warriors. Oh. I was auditioning for the odd couple. And I said to myself, what am I doing here? I went back to Paramount. I dropped a lot of names, got to the 24th floor, which was the wrong floor. And I, <laughs> I uh, went in there and I said to the secretary, who has a footnote right there. Her name was Martha, but I'll tell you more about that in one second. Oh, man. Okay. I said, hi, I'm here to see Walter Hill. And she said, um, are you... Do you have an appointment? I said, no, no, I'm here to see Walter Hill. That was strike one right there. She said, if you're here to get the script, it's upstairs. I said, no, I'm here to see Walter Hill. So then there were two other actors watching me, and uh, all of a sudden, they said, you're going to have to leave. She said, you don't have an appointment. And I said, well, uh, she put me on with the casting director, and I said to the casting agent, Joel, what are you doing up here? I said, you only go around once in life. you got to grab for all the gusto. There you go. And, she, and he, he paused. And he said, good luck. So may, I'll sh- shorten the story. What happens is Walter was in the office. The two other actors leave, and I'm sitting there. And this is the truth. Walter says, Martha, uh, you got to correct something on this script or something. She goes in there, takes it, walks by me. It's like a camera's on me. I smile. I go. I stand straight up. I go right in the office, and Walt is there. I didn't know anybody else was in there. I'll tell you that one. I walked in. I said, Walter, uh, my name is Joel Weiss. I'm really right for this movie. you got to put me in and all this stuff. And then I noticed another person in there, so I changed Walter to Mr. Hill because mm-hmm. I... You know, and it was Frank Marshall. So you have Frank oh. Marshall and Walter Hill there. And I didn't even know who Frank Marshall was. So we we're talking. They sit me down. They calm me down. And I said, I know you have a basketball scene in this movie. They look at each other. We have a basketball scene in this movie? There's no basketball scene in this movie. You know, do you have a picture and resume? I said, I gave you 14 already. And he said, I've never seen you in my life. He said, I've never seen you in my life. And he goes, uh, I'll give you another one. You, are you going to bring me in and everything? No, no, I like you. You're going to be, I'm going to bring you in. You're going to mm. read for this. Don't bullshit me. I said, I really said that. He mm. said, no, you're coming in. So he said, I, I go, I leave. I have my picture. I get a phone call. I'm coming in Monday to read. I come in. There's no um, sides for me because we didn't have the internet then. Yeah. We didn't have um, uh, fax. Well, we had fax machines and internet, but I didn't have them from the Bronx. And I didn't know when. <laughs> so my appointment was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I got there 12 o'clock with a leather jacket on, uh, a toothpick in my mouth, a matchstick in my mouth, big water, chewing gum, grease t- part of my... It, I did everything a gang member would have. But I walked out. The one actor before me, he went in to read, came out. I was there three hours early. I'm looking at the sides. Casting director comes up to me and says, you ready, Joel? And another actor would say, um, I'm, I have an appointment at 3 o'clock. No, I said, piece of cake. I go in there. I knew all my lines because Walter does one-liners. It's all action. So, okay, I'm in there. Walter's doing this thing with the uh, thing. The eyepiece. The eyepiece and looking at me and I'm smiling. I'm cocky and all this stuff and looking at in the eye. And then Larry Gordon, the producer, starts to read with me. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I am not holding the script. I figured I know all the lines. He looks at me. He says, you got the first line. I said, oh, shit. He said, calm down. We're going to talk. 
So we start talking about movies, and then I start to read again and again. And I'm in there for like almost three hours. Really, they brought me tea. Tea is not good for Joel Weiss. I'm wired then. Then I keep talking. <laughs> More and wired that, than you are now? I am. No, worse. So that was it. And then I... Uh, I left, I called my mother and I said, Ma, should I tell mom on welfare? Don't even go back up there. Don't. And then I got the phone call. I got the part. I had all these dimes in my pocket to give, to make phone calls. I threw them up in the air. And now to answer your question, we <laughs> thought that movie, when we saw the, uh, the screen, not the screen, the rough cut of it, yeah. Was we all looked at each other and boy, it's gonna be the biggest bomb of all time. No, but I also really? said that about Star Wars when I saw the trailer. So you know, my <laughs> I have no can't trust really, you. you. That's can't. very interesting. I know it really is. Believe wow. me, boy, I was wrong, really wrong. But and I was wrong about this. Now Warriors became alive because of of cable. Yeah. Remember, people got killed in the theater, got beat up, killed. It was banned in Paris. Got an X rating in London, and then they re, they. Took it off the market. Do you know this? I was booked in Hollywood Squares, David Patrick Kelly and myself, I'm not lying, for two weeks. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And they're going to fly me to L.A. And then Ronan Barrett comes on TV on a Friday morning. There was a, a, a thing in Brooklyn. And then in L.A., Hell's Angels. had These guys were crazy before that. You no, know that? The movie had nothing to do with it. No, but they just yeah. fought. And then they pulled the movie till October of that year. And it was number one box office for three weeks or for a month. They pulled Wait, it. Wait, so they pulled it and then they yeah. put it back in the they, theater? Yeah, they put it back in October quietly. The greatest thing about that movie is that boxes in front of the theaters. So I'm walking around making rounds. Mm -hmm. I finished that movie. I was doing a play. Yeah. And I... He said, that's my movie. This is great. I stood there like this, watching the trailer. Where am I? But it doesn't matter. I'm, These are the armies of the night. Yeah. And all this stuff. And I'm watching this, and I'm pointing to people. That's my movie. That's my movie. <laughs> like, yeah, that's great, weirdo. <laughs> I know, right, right. I mean, that's true. Who's that this skinny it. kid? But honestly, and Martha married Dino De Laurentiis and became Martha De Laurentiis, from secretary to one of the richest women in the world. Jesus. Wow. Never helped me ever. <laughs> no, it didn't like. But say. another movie that had something similar was A Clockwork Orange, right? Because I believe when A Clockwork Orange came out, they didn't release it in the States right away, right? It was too risky. Well, when I saw it, it was X-rated. Yeah. And oh, I wow. wasn't ready for X-rated. I saw it at the, um, the, uh, they had a college thing. You, you don't know about this. They used to have, <laughs> You're too used, young. But yeah, right. You were, too young, They used son. to give you little tickets, okay? You, it was called the Walter Reed tickets. So they had, um, they had Walter Reed Day. And they showed Clockwork Orange, all these movies. You can go to all the theaters. So I did a half a day at college. Oh, man. And I cut out and went to the movies. I saw, um, oh, God. So I didn't see, no, I didn't see Clockwork Orange. I made a mistake there. But I saw, oh, that movie about, oh, God, I can't remember, about being underground and disease and everything. It was a good film. Uh, I'll, I'm blowing it. Uh, yeah. Hal Holbrook was in it. Uh, it's a really cult play. They remade it, but it wasn't. Good. The original one's a good film. I can't think of it. Uh, it's not really. We'll figure it out later yeah. in the next uh, show. But uh, <laughs> we'll put it no, in the show notes. But uh, Walter Reed, I saw Clockwork Orange. His X-rated. I, I got in, and no one. I didn't have to ask an adult. <laughs> no, when I saw Midnight Cowboy, I had that was to another go. one. That was oh like, yeah, it was X-rated. Yeah. I got in because we had my mother volunteered my room for a student, and I had to share it. I, wanted, I had a brother I never had in my life, nice. so I destroyed his life. But he taught me about basketball. Not taught me about it. He brought me a, my first basketball. He took me to my first Nick game. And I said, listen, you're here. Can you get me into Midnight Cowboy? He said, I want to see it too. So he took me. That was it. I was in. So this fake brother of yours made you more of a New Yorker than you were. Right. He was a great, <laughs> he was a great basketball player too. That's so but awesome. Walter Zoin. That was Zoin. his name. Wow. A lot of Walters. Yeah. A lot of Walters here. Um, I've done four for Walter Hill now. I never read for any of them. I only read uh, for Streets of Fire, but he didn't know I read. If I would have phoned him up... You wouldn't I, have had to. Yeah. Was that... Well, okay, so you bring that up. Is that something important to you, like with your relationship with Walter? Was it important that you read for him, or was it just something that was a thing? Like, you're like, well, I don't... Walter and I, we have a thing. Well, if he gives me a part, why read? You Fair. know what I mean? But... Yeah, that's he, true. If he just hands you a part. Well... In the case of a film like Undisputed, mm -hmm. uh, Walter said, uh, you're going to play Ratbag. Ratbag was a great part, okay? Uh -huh. um, and I came back from New York, 
no more rat bag. I called up the casting director and said, I said, uh, I'm, I'm here to pick up, I'm going to get my script. He said, well, I don't know if you're in it anymore. I said, what? Uh. Go to page 31. If you're in there, you're this character. So I went to it, and it was a blind beer vendor. I got it. No, it was it. I got the part. Now, it's, not, it's a great part, but what they did was they made the flashbacks into a montage, so mm. they cut out all my stuff. I'm selling beer, and people are, here's your money, right? Mm-hmm. They're not paying me any money. They're yeah. grabbing the beers. And I, and I say, go for the... Oh, I'm leaning against this. I say, uh, I have these scenes with um, Wesley Snipes. Go for the eyes. Go for the... And, uh, you know, I'm blind. And uh, and I thought they're going to put the contact lenses on me. <laughs> to make you all milky no, eye. No, no. They didn't do any of that stuff. They just I got there. I was out. doing the thing with the uh, walking into things. And no sunglasses. <laughs> I had to work on this uh, like 20 minutes or an hour before. Work on being blind. Like how to unfocus your eyes. Right. I've, I've seen um, interviews where some actors have talked about being blind for a character. And they spend time like unfocusing their eyes. Right. Well, I, I looked at one possible. object and that was it. I bumped into a lot of things. <laughs> I really did. I was the worst Stevie Wonder you could ever have. <laughs> You're the whitest Stevie Wonder I've I ever know. seen too. That's also true. Yeah. But I got flown to Vegas, first class. First class means you get a um, uh, famosa, not a famosa, uh, samosa, whatever that thing is. Mimosa. Mimosa, mimosa, maybe? Mimosa, we're close. I'm, <laughs> I'm Professor Erwin Corey. Okay. <laughs> Oh my God! I know. Um, so, yeah. Okay. The other thing that I, yeah. I I grabbed from this interview, which I found, I, I now I'm gonna ask you if this is true. You th- I, this interview was on the um, Warriors page. There's yes. a, a tribute page yeah. and whatnot, and they you know great photos from set, yeah. and you know they kind of do where are they now and so on. Yeah. Uh, your interview, you said that you at the time you numbered how many films. How many TV shows and how many stage productions you've done? I still do that. I mean, you have to. Thank you. Because I was going to ask, do you know that? Do you yeah, still know uh, that to yeah, this day? Yeah, 44 TV shows, 75 films. It's like a jinx, too. And 64 <laughs> plays. I did my 64th play about three months ago. I did a play called Angel Academy. And I played a guy dying. And uh, <laughs> I go to heaven. But before that, I get uh, an angel comes down and gets me to talk to my son. It's very, very powerful mm-hmm. and funny at the same time. And I like that part. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it because I knew I was flying to New York and I was going to London. So I needed a part where you only had to do one rehearsal. <laughs> so I had, to, I had more than one because I got the other actor and called him up and we did it together. Yeah. But uh, he dropped out. Every week there was a problem. There was a new actor I was working with who didn't know the lines or the motions, so it was all a test for me, (laughs) and I had a good time. I really did. So what you're saying is every day is a learning experience. (laughs) Uh, And the plays are out in L.A., right? You haven't done anything in New York? uh, No, not in a long time. A play here, no. No, I'd love to do a play here. I love... Stage plays. I love. I love any time to act. I just love acting. Well, that was. I'm glad you said that because that was going to pretty much be my next question. Do you have a preference as far as doing television, film, stage? Well, I love stage if they paid me and you <laughs> create the character because you get that instantaneous feedback from mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, and you like doing that. And and the best thing is when you're unconscious when you get that part and then you work on it. And you're aware of everything, and then all of a sudden, your brain takes over. You, your work, there's a guy in there telling you, Joel Weiss, okay, this scene's coming up. And then the other one, you're outside, and the words are coming out like, like, like you, from your you head. now become. Yeah, and it's unbelievable. And some nights you won't have that, so the guy inside will take over, mm-hmm. but, and no one will know it anyway. They sure. don't know anything. If you make mistakes, you gotta be so obvious. I mean, really. I mean, so I used to be in a couple of different metal bands and right. I used to get yelled at by uh, my then girlfriend. Right. When I made mistakes playing, I'd make a face. Right. And it'd be this really gnarly face. And uh, someone told me, like, why do you make all those faces? And I'm an honest guy. And I'm like, well, I made, made a mistake. Yeah. I'm like, don't make the faces. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah, we won't know that. Only you yeah. will know that. Yeah. Smile <laughs> while you're making it. Laugh while you're taking it. Even though you're faking it, nobody's going to know. Thank uh, you, everyone, for listening. This has been wonderful. Joel Weiss has just wrapped up our show. <laughs> 
Really? I'm done? Oh no, my not. god. No, Good no, you're god. Uh, you're unless you're a drummer, if you mess up, everyone will know though. That's, no, that's, that's a <laughs> yeah. quote from uh, like me. From uh, God uh, Malcolm uh, oh god, forget. we'll think of it later. <laughs> this is age I, problems. To, to be fair, I think you've forgotten more things than I've ever learned. No, well they, you know what it is? Because I'm thinking about it. When I don't think about everything. I comes. always say that something's on the tip of your tongue. Oh, let yeah. it go. Let, let it, it come. come. Yeah. yeah. It'll come to you. It's like when you're looking for something. Yeah. And you can't find it, and you completely forget that you're looking for it, and then like you open a drawer, like oh, there it is, there it is. I know. Um, so stage productions. Uh, you just talked about your last one. Do you have anything? Yeah, I do. I like um, Cuckoo's Nest. I did Cuckoo's Nest. I did um, Billy Bibbin in that. I love that. I did that at um, Henry Street Settlement House. I did it in a. Um, a mental institute, a real mental institution. We did some scenes from. We did it on a boat. It should have been a mental institution. <laughs> That's that circle weird. line. We did it on there. It was what? horrible. Yeah. That's you just, did a play on a boat. Yeah. That just the, sounds, in the New York Circle Line. Yeah. That just sounds like a bad idea. It was. They were all drunk. <laughs> I've never heard stoned. of this. Uh. All these people were getting stoned. This is the seventies. Remember, and <laughs> and they were all stoned. And you know, and then I did punk rock play. I did a punk rock play called Robot Factory, and that led me to Warriors because it was so terrible. But the Village <laughs> Voice said it was good, and I said it was shit. Uh-huh. And they thought it was good. Punk rock was like by bizarre, you know, the bizarre. Punk rock world. by nature is yeah. is defiant. And no, I love that time. I did yeah. a bunch of plays by this guy named David Street. Mm-hmm. Are you a member of the Knights of Columbus, Robot Factory? Um, oh God, I forgot the other ones. I just talked to him this week. He he's crazy guy. He really is like old school New York, like Lower East right? Side. Yeah, Lower, oh yeah. No, he's yeah. friends with the Misfits, and he teaches kids in school. So yeah. that's, uh, and he has his own show where he has video and everything. He's like animated. He's unbelievable. He should do his own things. I always told him that. He's so funny. That's weird. But he writes for other people and uh, he knows all of Deborah Harry. You know, I'm feeling that yeah, name drop. But I didn't know. I probably. never met her. You know what I mean? But, uh, so going back to the Warriors, and yeah. I think this is probably the only question I have yeah. about it. Is that where you met Jeff? You and Jeff, did you guys meet no, on set? No, no. Jeff Wasatsky. I uh, met because another thing, like everything in my life, how I get all the good stuff, I was doing a play called Watch on the Rhine, and this was directed by a guy holding a baby. What? And, yeah. So uh, Wait, no, hang on, yeah. hang on. You got to go back to that. Please explain the guy holding the baby. Well, if he didn't hold the baby, the wife wouldn't be nursing the baby with or you know what's out with the milk. So he took the baby away and would rock the baby as he would direct. I am not lying. <laughs> I believe you. He okay. Was, he was. It was a job. I was, I was a young actor. <laughs> I. I. And first of all, I would never be cast in this. This is a very rich guy. I can play it. I did sure. play it. I actually the whole. My whole thing was I got the lines down. Let me tell you what happened. I got this play. And I was under extreme pressure, and I, I had to get the lines, and I did the performance. I mm-hmm. did one performance. I was supposed to do more than one, but I got Jeff Wasatsky's film. Let me get back to Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Jeff Wasatsky was doing a film called Subway Fantasy. An actor in the, film, in the play with me said, Joel, I got to tell you something. I'm going to this audition for Subway Fantasy. I said, what? They're calling you? No offense, Sid. Same guy told me about Warriors. No offense, you're not right for the part. He's, oh, wow. Yeah, no, but Brutal we're friends. He's, and he said, and fuck you too. <laughs> you know, that's, no, what good, that's what a good friend I'm does. Tell, I'm telling you about an audition that I'm going to. Do you want to come with me? Yes, I do. I, I want to go. I just told you you were terrible for the part. Right. So we go together. He reads with me. Uh-huh. They say, thank you very much to Sid. Oh. And then, oh, first of all, if I ask, can I read and all this stuff? Yeah. You don't have an appointment and all this stuff. I said, you have my picture. Well, wait a minute. Then we read together, mm-hmm. and they released Sid. Damn. And they said, who are you anyway? We don't even have your picture <laughs> and resume here. I said, I sent you one. Joe just like storms into people's I, production well, office. I wish I'd do it more. So he finds the picture, and he says... That picture doesn't even look like you. You look like, uh, no offense to Chinese people, a Chinese laundromat guy or something. And I said, well, okay, but you got the picture. And then I read, and Jeff liked me and Pete Rondino, who wrote it. He wrote it, and, um, and they liked me, and they, brought, they called me up and said, I got the part. Now I'm going to read with the girls. Mm-hmm. So I kept ending the scene with a kiss. Hey. And you have to see the outtakes on that one. 
because oh, I got asked Jeff for it. I'm sure Jeff yeah, he has, has it. Him. He has it. He has a it. nice yeah. young. So Joel. then, when did you guys both realize that you were both in the Warriors? Oh no, I got him in the Warriors. Oh, you got Jeff yeah, in the Warriors. Oh, with Jeff Wasatsky. Okay. I got 162 people in the film, non-union people. And if I knew you and Matt, you'd be in the movie. You can, I made you, a you list. You made my day. I would. Uh, Jesus. Uh, Jeff, and then I introduced Jeff to Walter Hill. Jeff was already directed me in in three, uh, no, directed me in one film already, and he was there, and he was talking to me, and Walter Hill came over, and I said, Walter, this is young filmmaker Phnom, Jeff Wasatsky. So Walter pushed me away, and this is the truth, <laughs> and he walked away with Jeff, put his arm around him, they took him, and then he revealed he had a camera under the, the thing, he's not supposed to have a camera, mm-hmm. and Jeff took a picture of Walter Hill, he has the picture, mm-hmm. and... Uh, it was amazing. He would never forgot that. That's so cool. And that was it. I've done four for Jeff, four films for him, and uh, that was it. Uh, sh- shout out to our brother over in the West Coast, uh, Manny Velez, because he actually spelled Wasowski right. Oh, hey, real yeah, quick. So he gets uh, two free tickets to the movies. <laughs> wow. Which yeah. film? Uh, any, uh, any AMC or okay, uh, Regal he wants to go to. And you have to go with me also. <laughs> well, he you, lives up in Vacaville, so I don't know if you want oh, to travel no, away to Vacaville. No. I'd visit him and give my son an autographed picture and Look then at leave. That. Look at that. And then leave. I love it. All right, you heard that, Manny? He's he, going to break if, into your house, sign a picture, and then leave. <laughs> uh, Manny, prepare yourself. Don't, don't freak out if you see a picture of Joe Weiss. Like on your bed. <laughs> Just slipped underneath you go to your Woha, door. You go to Wohops. I'm all over the place there. I didn't go there. This, everybody hates the place. I love that place. That's my favorite Chinese restaurant in New York, Wohops. Uh, 13 Mott Street. No, 17 Mott Street. Is that the one we went? Oh, no, no, no. We went to a deli. No, that's Gracie. Yeah. No, we didn't go to the deli. We went to Gracie. Oh, no, no, we went to the diner. Sorry. Diner. The diner. That's I where went we there went. today again. The only one that supports the place. You know what I mean? <laughs> We so, haven't been there since we have had our, our lunch. I know. I just did to hang out. When I, so you're West Coast now. Yeah. No, listen, I'm not going to hold that against you. I know. Um, but I get it, though. You go one... The weather, man. I would just do it for the weather. Nah, I, I really? For, I saw with a big I, agent and moved out there. And after three days, I was at Hollywood High running. I started banging the, sorry, banging the, the ground saying... They blew it up like Charlton Heston in uh, Planet of the Apes. I said, <laughs> why did they leave New York? But I, yeah. you know, then I started getting work. It's the opportunity. Well, I got Chips. That was my first job in California. I did a play there, then Chips. And then uh, I got on General Hospital. And then I started getting on General Hospital every week. I was a waiter on it. Uh-huh. Which was, no, it was great. Sure. You got paid. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't extra. I had billing every Friday. Um uh, waiter number two, and then they named me Sandy. I don't know where Sandy came from. I had black hair. Sandy's got to yeah. be blonde or gray or whatever it <laughs> was. But I was on it for five and a half years doing that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it was great. I, I uh, made a lot of friends there and stuff like that. But um, it was a great show. Every day you had a steady job. You did three shows in one day, and you got a big check. It was great. Can't beat that with a I stick. Know. So chips was good too. I love chips. That was my friend. That kept me in California, and I don't know how to drive. So I played a car thief in that, and uh, uh, I they drag the car. They do the ca- camera car. on the toe, yeah. No, but they have stuntmen, and uh-huh. he's telling me Robert Pine, whose father of Chris Pine, who's uh-huh. a regular on, uh, he was a regular on uh, chips. He uh, showed me you're gonna hop one of the car, but we need an MGM song. So we're gonna do follow the yellow brick road, and I I did that, and um and then but he said can you drive? I said yeah, and he asked me three times, and finally I said I tried and everything. <laughs> I mean I I not tried. I almost got arrested the day before because my friend switched seats with me in a car because he he wanted me to have that. He was teaching me to drive. Right. And a cop came along and he said he was gonna arrest us both, but. He had his wife, who's deaf, and a baby in the back, so that saved us. A if deaf they wife, checked a the deaf clock, wife with a baby, baby, all babies except in the glove compartment. He had a bunch of marijuana, oh and that, that would have been my. It wouldn't have been chips. I don't even smoke, and then the guy and I said, "Oh my God, please it don't happens check the like car. That, man. I'm next to the glove compartment. Oh, man. It's over." So funny, funny you mentioned <laughs> driving. Driving, yes. Because again, it might have been the same interview. You didn't know how to drive during the Warriors. Yeah, I learned to drive uh, on the weekends. They took me private lessons uh, under the 3rd Avenue L. They put a garbage can there. It was basically not to learn to drive. Uh-huh. It's to hit the mark. Got you it. Need to, 
if you fall before the mark, it's worse. If you go over it, it's okay, but you could kill the cameraman. The thing is, you Dave wanna... knows a thing or two about killing yeah. cameramen. Right. Yeah, shout out to Lombardo. So, <laughs> so the thing is, falling short, you'll hear a lot of whispers, mm-hmm. and and they, you know, we got to do this again right yeah. now. You can't do it. They go, is that okay? No, we got to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. You hear that? Okay, we do it. Uh, Cropsy, do it again. So I did it finally. I did it for three weeks. Mm. You know what happened? There was a, a triple homicide on Avenue A. Jeez. And we did it. And then they looked at the thing. We got to go back. So it was great. Oh, all right. I like that. You know what I mean? So you had to reshoot your scene that you no, were No, not just, uh, just moving up the car. That's, That's it? All. Yeah. <laughs> not the dialogue. Dialogue's in there. I loved it. Coming back to that was great. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of people, I got a lot of Kit Kats. I robbed a lot. I put them all in for my neighborhood. I really did. Because the guy said to me, uh, what are you doing? I said, I'm rehearsing. He said, you can't touch all that. I said, okay, when I, when I did the thing over, yeah. they were paying him $3,000 to rent that candy store. I'm taking the candy bars. That was it. I really and did. And 3000 took... in, in 1970. A lot of That's money. That's a lot of 78, money. Yeah. Yes. And now he it's had like 3000 an hour. I know. Well, they, I mean, he did it twice. He got another check because they had to come back, but he probably got it less. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't get to do the candy there, so they didn't need it that much, just driving up. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a, a really funny thing that they took you. They well, took you thir- under like the Third Avenue Bridge, right? No, th- yeah, right under the thing. I had hit a, uh, The Third Avenue L, L, excuse me. Yeah, and that was it. The guy picked me up at my house, went for <laughs> breakfast, <laughs> and then took me and then I practiced, and then I had lunch. It was great. So, and do I, you know how to drive now? No. no. <laughs> uh, you don't want me on bumper cars. You're so cars. New Yorker. You don't even want me in those machines where you you crash. I always hit everything. Oh purpose. my god! Well, That's I, I ran over a camera in a movie called Street Street Soldiers, another Jeez. gang movie. Guy tried to teach me how to drive, and uh, in Warriors, I did one take on the second scene we did. We had a bunch of scenes that are not in the movie, but uh, when there's another big scene in uh, the gas station. He did that in one take, and uh, mm-hmm. they had to get me out of the car because I drove into regular traffic, yeah. and they said, get him out of the car. They were real cops. Yeah. Hey, does he have a license? And then Frank Marshall comes, oh, yeah, he has a license. Get him out right now. Yeah. I said, and then I'm in the trailer, and they come in. I said, you know, I'd really like to do it again. No, moving no. on. Yeah. <laughs> no, they said, moving on right away. after Because the, they did the dialogue. We did that twice, and then get in the car. Boom. That was it. Was wow. It. Wow. Oh, and I used to take girls to the uh, fire, hi- not the fire, the fire alarm there. I scraped the whole fire alarm. It was great. It was great. <laughs> yeah, because I got there and then I took them to the, uh, that Alco from Taxi Driver where Harvey Keitel says, you're a good looking guy. No, wait, you're a funny guy, but good look. Oh, I don't know the line, but I brought girls there and then we'll. That was and, and that was that's yeah. where it ended. You that's said, where it ended. You said yeah. good night, ma'am. It's been a pleasure. And shook her hand. Shook her hand and, and sent yeah, her off kinda. to church. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> okay. Tell her what? I don't yeah, know. I don't even know, know what we're talking about. We weren't even born yet. I don't know what happened. I yeah. know that's true. You were. You were. I wasn't there. I wasn't even born. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, Wait, behind the on the set, I mean, that was my first major motion picture. And I was so sharp mm-hmm. as an actor because I did student films. Okay, independent. I did independent things and student films, but um, you had to do them on one take or something because they only had enough money for that. Mm-hmm. And if you screwed up, that's going to be on the film. And back yeah. then it was film. There's no such thing right. as digital. Yeah. And if you looked at the camera, you were trapped. You we got to work on that. You know, do something. But I didn't do that. But the thing was, so when they did the takes, my mind was okay. Let's do it. Boom, one take. But then you have the close-ups and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's great. So you did the master shot. Boom. They didn't have to do it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and you, you could ask, hey, can we do it again? Uh, we did maybe one more time, but it was a keeper. Boom. I mean, David and I were sharp. And, you know, no rehearsal. He doesn't talk. And I talk. It's like Mutton Jeff. Yeah. And he was like there. I hand him the gun. He shoots him. We, we, it was like we were... It was part of the whole ship. You know, there's no one-upping somebody. When you're, you're doing the movie, you care about the movie, and you just want to do it, unless the guy you're working with, the real hump. But this guy was like, we're in character. Yeah. So what he was doing to me, like he shoves the candy in my head, that was totally real. Mm-hmm. When you see the movie, there was no second take on that. That 
thing, when you see my face, look at him. I, I, instead of saying, as a human being, I'm going to deck him, I made the face like, and it's held in because he's the boss. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, he could kill me. So the thing is, I made the face. And he, uh, what's he say? All the fans know the lines better than I do. Yeah. I watch it like once or twice, and then I get a kick out of it when it's on TV. I love Warriors. I love Walter Hill. Anybody gives me a job, that's it. But a lot of them have me right too. You know. Um, oh, good. Let's talk about that. That um, uh, I did a film called City Teacher. Now it's called Heating Up in the Hood. I got flown here to play a rabbi. But <laughs> what happens is this in the script. Uh, my friend Junie Smith, he's done 21 films. I've done four for him. He was my roommate also. He was, uh, he's making document, a few documentaries. He lives right around the, right around the back of the, uh, Bronx, I mean, the, uh, yeah. wherever we are. This, our secret location. Right, right. So make a long story short, he um, <laughs> called me up. I did three films for him already. We know each other. We did a play, three plays together. So he said to me, Joel, you're going to play the rabbi in this film. It's a very powerful part, but I have to tell you, there's no lines. When you get to this page, look it over, read the dramatic scene, mm-hmm. and then just write it. Please don't call me with the lines. I don't want to have a rehearsal with you with the lines. I'll hear if it sucks, then we, we'll work on it. But he's not Jewish. He doesn't know what the hell I'm saying anyway. So, oh, I, so you had to write in Hebrew? No, just oh. I know slang and stuff like that. Gotcha. So, and it, we filmed it in something. the Bronx at the oldest synagogue. It's a, a hut in the Bronx. I'm not kidding. A hut. And, but they're closed. It was Saturday. So let me tell you what happened. And they are not knowledgeable. And it's getting dark out. And they don't have lights. So I said, we're eating pizza. And I said, Jeff, I mean, not Jeff, Junie, are we filming? At, we're going to be filming at night because you need lighting and everything. He's a director, right? Yeah. He said, you're right. And also... Um, they told me we can't get inside. We got to film outside. Okay. So we said, no more pizza. Let's go right now. Because it's sagging everything. But we all went over there. Sure. So we get there. We set up the shot. No lighting. They're standing in front there. Oh, I did it again. It's okay. But you can hear me anyway. Yeah. The thing is that uh, I go in front of the thing. Action. And we do the master thing. Mm-hmm. I wrote the, Oh, I didn't tell you how I got the lines. My mother was sick. Okay, very sick. So I came in. And I was staying at my friend's house, who's like a rabbi, but he said, Joel, there are three rabbis here, and they touched my hand, three of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I said, um, we're going to make a brooker for your mother and everything. You're a good, uh, we're going to say these things about your mother and all that stuff. So they touched my hand. It was like electricity. After it was done, I felt really good. Mm-hmm. I got like a napkin. Mm-hmm. I started writing the lines. I wrote these lines down, and then I, you know, fixed it up a little bit and I showed it to my wife and she said to me because she's a writer she said to me no that's good leave it alone Mm -hmm. and then I did it and Junie was in shock because basically they come out the couple have have not been having sex and they're going to separate because he's a cop and she wants him in the garment uh, business Mm -hmm. and this is based on a true story they come out and they say I say to him Hi, you, you know, all this stuff. I'll make a brooker for you. You two look great. It's, and it was really powerful. If you get a chance, it's on it. It was, and I wrote that. And when I watched it yesterday, two days ago, I said, wow, it's really good. And I watched it again. I always felt good about that. Mm-hmm. And that was my one scene. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did it again in another movie called uh, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director called me up, Martin Gigi. I've done two films for him. I'm going to be doing a third one for him. But 2020, but maybe he'll get another gig. He gets gigs, but he can't just put me in them because there might not be a role. He can create a role for me sure. when he writes it. So he called me up. He told me I couldn't be in the movie uh, about six months before, eight <laughs> months before. Then all of a sudden, no, a year before actually, I, because I finished the other film for him, which was Raging Bull 2, which became the Bronx Bull. One scene in that, but he, he calls me up. I said to my wife, we're moving. And I said, I'm plugging the phone to charge it. No one's going to call me at a quarter to nine at night. So I get back. It's around quarter to ten. I check. I have like three messages from Martin, Martin Gigi. He says, got to call me right away. Uh, I got a part for you. Really good part. So I call him back. He's filming. He stopped filming to get. I'm not kidding. It was important. He said, Joel, how you doing? You know, I'm, I'm filming right now, but it's, I don't care. He said, what do they call it? <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you this. You're the uh, 
a quintessential New Yorker. I got a part for you. Uh, I want you to write the, I wrote the dialogue. I don't want my dialogue in it. You write the dialogue. It's 9-11, the World Trade Center. You're in an elevator. Everything's falling apart. The elevator's going to open up. The, uh, you're not it's Charlie intense. Sheen. They're looking for Charlie Sheen, the wife. Uh-huh. Opens it up. She goes like this. And I'm in the elevator yelling, crying, everything. Now, I wrote this dialogue. Now, you only are on it for like a minute and a half, right? Sure. So I wrote it. But I'm in the, the, in the elevator walking back and forth. And in my mind, no, no. I'm not doing that. And no one's heard of my dialogue anyway. So she shakes her head. And I'm yelling, thank you, God. Thank you. The fireman's there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, God bless you and all this stuff. Then he says, get the hell out of here. I said, thank you. Never forget. Never forget. And things are falling and everything. They, the lines are in there except never forget. I wanted it. was a very important part. Entertainment Tonight interviews me. And I'm like this as they interview me. Um, uh, Jacqueline Bissett, I'm talking to her. She asked me, what kind of part do you have in it? And then we see it. I'm in it. I do my, oh, please, I'm grabbing him. Here it and comes. Then, and then I just, whoops. And then I run. They, they, they go to the next thing. Charlie Sheen gets killed with the firemen because they die together. The yeah. wife get. but that was, that was the way he wanted to do it. Originally, I would have had my important thing, but they wanted to get right to the point. Yeah. But the thing was, he grabbed me. I felt great about this. He, Martin's the best. He hugs me. He says, Joel Weiss, uh, next movie, better part, more lines. That's it. <laughs> but, you know, my billing is great, man. The elevator, I don't care. I got the part. I felt bad. But you know what? I know I'm working for him again because he's got so many things planned. And the next one's going to be in New York, so it'll be great. It's about Sweetwater Clifton, who played for the Harlem Globetrotters mm. and... Uh, this one is going to be a good part. Believe me, the coach or some bigot or something. <laughs> I ha- I think they had bigots in the 50s unless they yeah, diversify they that too. I'm sure or they had. There's bigots right now. Right, <laughs> let's, I know. Let's but be uh, honest. It's going to be some kind of really New yeah. Yorkish part because yes. he played for the Knicks and the Harlem Globetrotters and he was one of the greatest. He's in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and uh, is going to be an all-star cast. He always gets actors for one day in the films. They're low budget. They're big enough, the project. Sure. And he, get, he filmed 9-11 in Long Beach. They had everything made, and they didn't do footage. They did Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Charlie Sheen, uh, Louis Gosman, Guzman, everybody in it. Jeez. And, uh, and oh, wow. my night was my night when mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Sheen left, who I drove crazy there. <laughs> I really Wait, did. You Facebook. drove Charlie Sheen oh, crazy? Oh my God. <laughs> That's he, hard to believe. I was going to talk to him, but he comes up to me. He said, Are you the new actor tonight? Uh-huh. It's your night. You have a great part. I said, Wow. Because I met him before and sure. then we started talking. And I said, Charlie, who's your baseball team? I didn't know Cincinnati Reds. He said, Cincinnati Reds, we have a five year plan. I said, Charlie, we all have a five-year plan. <laughs> Forget it. And then he started, I talked baseball with him, and he went to smoke. He said, enough, Joel. That's it. <laughs> and uh, on baseball, you yeah. are an avid Mets fan. I'm a diehard Mets so, fan. Wait, so you grew up in the Bronx. How uh-huh. are you a Mets fan? Well, I never liked baseball. My father, it's not hating my father. He was a big Yankee fan. When, he, when the Yankees used to lose, he would not eat supper. <laughs> so, and they didn't lose a lot then, you know? <laughs> so he'd march out of the house, and when people would see him on the stoop, they'd say, they Charlie, knew. what happened? They lose and everything. And then he wouldn't talk. Then all of a sudden, he'd warm up a little bit run across the street mm-hmm. and start talking to everybody about ah, Mickey Mantle, he struck out and all this stuff. But I didn't like baseball. The only way I'd go to a baseball game at Yankee Stadium is to cause trouble <laughs> or go to the movies at the Earl Theater. There was a movie theater there. Right. So I saw Jack the Giant Killer and something else. My fa- I had to sit through in the bleachers mm. a doubleheader in oh. July and you <sighs> die. I kept going to the sink putting my head under it. I'm a little kid. He's trying to kill me, my father. <laughs> and we went to the movies after. I went to dinner and a movie. My father, cool. my mother couldn't go. She worked so hard. Uh-huh. But he would take me to Broadway plays and then when he passed away, I inherited his free pass to Broadway plays. My mother would get a phone call from a guy named Tommy Lovett. He was in the 4th Armored Division, my father, and say, B, you want to go to see Cabaret? No, no, I, I don't want to go, uh, but my son would love to see it. Oh, so great. I would see it with Joel Gray and everything, or the second cast. Wow. F- free. I saw Man of La Mancha, Hello Dolly with um, 
uh, what do they call it? Uh, well, I can't think of it right now. But the first Hello Dolly, Black Hello Dolly. It was great. And I was, uh, uh, she was a big Met fan. Oh, my God. I, I, it's it's on the tip I'll remember. Tongue. She was great. Uh, it was at her birthday. They gave cake to everybody. So I saw Not Penny book. Marshall. No, she's no. not Black Penny Marshall. Oh, okay. you're, yeah, you're a little, oh, no, I, little I, off. I, yeah. No, no, you're close. Um, oh, okay. Um, oh <laughs> well, she's my from God. the Bronx, too. No, well, yeah, I know. Penny and, I know. and her father. Yeah, I worked for him seven times. That's awesome. Uh, Gary, Gary Marshall. the best. The best. I met him. I used to, I wrote him from the Bronx, and then I met him at a play called The Roast. One of the worst plays. Of, <laughs> first off, it was one of the funniest plays you've ever seen in your entire life, but it wasn't a good play. But you'd go there and you laugh. It closed after two nights. <laughs> but but the sh- I got to see it. And let me tell you something. I'm really serious. He... He's a great movie writer and stuff, but the plays he tried, no offense, Gary, I love you. He did, he had one hit, the one with George C. Scott, um, Lungfish. That, that was a play that was good, but Gary, I didn't like that, that either. <laughs> I like, but Roast, I, I like that because I, you couldn't stop laughing. You almost pissed in your pants. <laughs> you had uh, Rob Reiner in it, you had everybody. Oh, what a cast. Wow. It was a roast. And Barrett, Peter Boyle, everybody was in it. Oh, so man. I stayed in touch with Gary. When I came to California, I went in for happy days, but they said I was too tall. It was weird because Henry Winkler has no ego, none. So I, they, but at that time, I think they were casting, even though George, the guy McGinley, was way taller than uh, Henry Winkler. But I didn't get on that. But then I got a uh, sweet ginger brown that became Flamingo Kid. Mm-hmm. I came in, got a part in that. They cut me out, but I worked seven weeks. No, it kept me in New York, seven weeks. I was booked in. I was meeting with him to swim in Coney Island in October. Oh, okay. God. But to be in it and stay in the Bronx. Jesus. So that's called special ability. Okay. What happened was this. When I got in there, I met Michael Phillips and Gary Marshall. And Gary already made, you really want to swim in October, Joel? Listen, you'll start the, l- listen. You'll start the movie off uh, swimming, but we'll find you a place. He always does. A, we'll get you something. That's a pretty and, uh, good Gary Marshall, uh, by the no, way. I know. Play, people can do it much better. Much better. <laughs> That's pretty good. He said, uh, he kissed my wife, too. He's great. Like on the mouth? He was great. No, okay. during every, he was such a warm person. I loved him. I didn't go. I, N- not Joe, Joe Biden, the way Joe Biden. Uh, no, no, I did. Okay. The biggest thing, and I got cut out too, of uh, Valentine's Day. I'm on on the DVD and on on TV with it. Mm-hmm. But when it played in the movies, they cut 13 scenes out. Yeah. But no, it's okay. I still get paid the rest of my life. No, of course. But the exposure comes from TV. Mm-hmm. So it's a small scene, but it was great. Gary uh, would have his private, you know what he used to do? He hated casting directors. But mm-hmm. he got a casting director award from the casting directors. But you want to know something? He That's hated fine. them. He wanted, you know what? He made his own file of actors. He'd, br- he'd call you up. He'd stay in touch with him. He'd bring you to his theater or his office. You'd go upstairs. You'd be by yourself except the guy running the camera. That's it. You can do it as many times as you want, mm-hmm. any way you want, and then you leave. And he has you on file, and he calls you up. See, I think that's beautiful. Dave and I, we kind of do something similar. I couldn't imagine like me writing something or Dave directing something and having someone completely separate from the production pick the cast. Well, the thing is, they nego- the thing is you want to get, you say to the casting director, I want, um, I want Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie. Sure. You're not going to even get near him. Yeah. No offense. Unless he's sure. really into you. If you're Quentin Tarantino, they're going to want you. Leonardo DiCaprio, guy, casting director, calls up the agent. It's all this. Uh, we want him for the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, we want uh, $40 million for him <laughs> to play that. Well, we're going to move on to all Sam right. Elliott. Thank you, but no thank we're you. We're going to go down the line <laughs> yeah, until we yeah. get the one that's, oh, I really want to be in this. And then you'll get somebody who's and got then... a bad reputation. And then you have a, a problem. <laughs> like uh, DJ, um, not DJ, um, oh my God, he'll kill me too. Uh, he had problems with Val Kilmer a lot. Val Kilmer, had, he's sick right now, but he had an ego, a great actor. But he had he wanted his way or the highway. Was this before or after uh, The Doors? Because after The no, Doors is was, when he went a little wonky. No, he was a lot of movies, even before The Doors. For what production? Like, um, the Lake, or the... Uh, 
Salton C. You got it. Um, Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Maddie on the spot. What's his name? He's my friend. He's a fanatic Met fan. He'll kill me right now. DJ Caruso. Okay. DJ oh, Caruso. Okay. Tennis in the Mets and his kids. I love DJ. I uh, I was part of a group that watched the Met Met games with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon Weaver's son. This guy Gary uh, Rubin, and we used to watch the Mets together. And um, uh, what do they call it? Oh, uh, nah, don't worry, we're gonna remember later. <laughs> oh, this is this is the Alzheimer's moments. No, no offense, please. No, the thing is, um, he was. Um, all these guys could give me jobs, right? Mm-hmm. But DJ and I became very good friends, so um, he would uh, put me in things like the hard way. I got in there, I got cut out, but I got paid. He said to me, you got cut out. But I, was, I was depressed because I, it's another story, not with them, but I was sitting on the train. All of a sudden, God is shining on me. Um, DJ was on the train with uh, the other guy who, who's great also, and they said, Joel Weiss, I have to tell you something. You're uh, kind of cut from the movie, but I'm heading back to L.A., and you're going to do voice work on the movie, so you get all the residuals. So I did that. He was great. I said, really? And then he told me, um, what do they call it? I uh, was doing the voice work on it, and I said, oh, she doesn't like me. I'm the producer of the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say your name. I need you in this movie. I want someone to hang out with. <laughs> so what do they call it? He, he goes, he says, I'm an actor. He lives on the West Coast here. He was in The Hard Way, and they cut out his scene. I want him to do this. And uh, his name is Joel Weiss. Oh, Joel Weiss. He has no energy. He, um, he's very, uh, he has nothing. He just not, And he's listened to all this. Are we talking about Joel Weiss? He's like on 14 cups of coffee. No, no, he's in the thing. He's in it. That's it. Done deal. He, she, I, I want him to just listen to her, mm-hmm. and she will say something bad about me. She didn't like me, mm-hmm. and I worked for her twice, and I didn't do anything to her. And uh, I, I actually worked for her a few more times after that because of DJ. But and other times, I got other directors. You can't buck the directors, you know what I mean? So yeah. I would get in there, and um, that was it with him. And uh, oh, the other actors, they're mentioning places in New York that don't exist. And he, he, he said, what's going on? Uh, they, st- they open a book on the subways. And he says, can we stop this for one moment? He said, Joel, can you go up there? They're, they're Straighten him out. Yeah, they're opening a book and they're, and they're doing this. And uh, he's getting, he got mad, you know, because they don't know what they're talking about. And they're, yeah. they're great voice people, but they're not doing the job. So then I took over and, uh, and I told them, say this and that. And that was it. I, I have that subway book at home too. But to open it up during the thing, to ad lib, no good. First of all, you open the pages. You You're going to hear the pages, it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he got really mad. And she didn't stop it. And he was, that's why he hung out. He didn't like that. And... Uh, that was bad. I, and I felt great because I was zapping her. You know what I mean? Because these are her people. And she was not going to include me, maybe, if right. he didn't open his mouth. Drop zone. I had a part in that. Cut there. Uh, no, but it wasn't cut. It was on the plane. The plane existed, but what I was doing wasn't. So uh, <laughs> uh, I got three days on that voice work. It was great. I loved it. Are you kidding so is that, residuals all so then how did you become a Mets fan oh <laughs> I used to go to the games cause trouble and then all of a sudden they were down 10 nothing or 11 nothing. they come back and all of a sudden I'm into the game I start yelling let's go Mets and that was it I, I fell in love with them they were the underdogs they were losers I loved them and uh and I, I started watching them all the time. I got addicted to them. I hated the Yankees, the American League. I'm a National League fan. Now it's incest. And, but that'll <laughs> change soon because yeah. I think interleague only is good when you play the Yankees. That's it. When they play each other, these other teams, Kansas City play in Philadelphia, there's no rivalry. There's nothing no. there. Yeah. And it ruins the World Series, too. You don't want to see these teams spring training you see each other and they hide the players you know that they don't play them you play washington you're not going to see the good pitchers they don't want to show them even though you got footage and everything not going to work interesting (laughs) but to to talk about the underdogs really quick i get it there's something about a good underdog i mean and that goes for like film television books stories it doesn't matter you find a good underdog you find something to root for because when the triumph and the payoff comes oh it's so sweet that's like being a jets fan 
let me tell you something. There's a movie called 86 that Dave <laughs> Diaz, I'm doing a plug here. That's all about underdogs. It's a great film. It's about the Mets. It's about basically a father and son relationship like Terms of Endearment in a funny, raunchy way. And it's got its romance. And it's from a different time when it was not politically correct and everything, when you can say what you want. And you can say, screw you, you know what I mean? And nobody's like that now. They have to erase the past and everything like that. And kids are going to wake up uh, 20 years from now and say, oh, that never happened. There were no uh, Ku Klux Klan members. These were clowns in uniforms. They're going to erase everything, like 1984, the movie, yeah. the book. Everything will be erased. Everything will be fun. You know. <laughs> Shout out to Carmine for writing that script, too. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I, I helped job. a little bit. <laughs> yes. I, I did the edits. Now to we do it, we got to yeah. do it. We got to do yeah. it. I believe after seeing Mr. Met on that show with Don Cheadle being drunk, that they're, <laughs> no, they're open that to... That came out of nowhere. Yeah, because now they're open to selling kind of rights to the Mets. And this is a positive thing. Even those curse words and everything and... Things like that. You could film it twice. You know, the G-rated version, you show that to them. And then the movies, you show the other one. But Don't give away all the secrets. No, but you don't even have to do that. You could just... they. I think they would be open to it. It's a really positive thing and sad in a way, but not really. Because it's a happy... You know, he... No. You know, it we, we we the three of us know what happened. Yeah. You, the audience, yeah. will eventually find out. And if uh, my buddy Ronan can find Ronan can finally read the fucking script, that's right, Ronan. I'm shouting you out on the podcast in a yeah. bad and way. And the music would be expensive too, but we could do original. We wanted some songs from that time, '86. Well, you well, know, we I'm just gonna keep doing that sound so people can laugh at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm totally keeping that in, by the way. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really funny that you plugged one of our projects. Yeah, that's hysterical. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> well, I want the lead. I don't want Robert De Niro playing that part. or uh, Robert who? Robert who? Robert De Niro. <laughs> but, I mean, one of those guys, if you showed it to them, maybe they'd grab it. And the idea is to get it done. Yeah. But, you know, we just need money, honestly. Right. Is there someone out there that wants to invest in a film? We have so, this film ready to go. <laughs> so talking about filmmaking from, you know... This is actually a decent kind of uh, pinpoint to talk about filmmaking. Yeah, you know, you're right. You could sell that to someone. Um, but when it comes to us, we are, and I hate to say it, we're going to be the artists. Yeah. And we, we, we collaborate on something. It's finished. We feel so strongly about it that to pass it off to someone else and say, like, okay, you go make that. It was like about four years it took us to like write right. it. And, and From the time me and Joel met. To getting it on the uh, like the actual no. script done, it was like about four years. And four years. and to have someone take it and go do it, and you not be part of it is like right. sacrilegious mm-hmm. yeah. to me. I met a guy. I'll make this long, and this will be short. <laughs> I I got on a tangent talking to this producer, and then I started to talk about eighty six, mm. and then a problem arised. He just didn't want to hear it. He, yeah. um, I started to pitch it. I, we're at the Met game, right? At Dodger <laughs> Stadium. And I, oh, okay. And the, I, I met this guy. He's a big, small producer who mm. hasn't really produced in a long time, but he hit all the chords. Sure. And all of a sudden, I said, okay, job as actor or 86. So I went for 86 instead of pushing for the actor thing, which as an actor you should do. Sure. So I started to pitch him on that. The game ended. He shut off to the thing yeah. because he, he gave me his. He didn't give me the email and everything. I've been trying. I forgot his name. I remember the name of the movie because uh, Tommy. Uh, I mean, one of the guys from the Warriors did that movie, uh, Whirly Bird Summer or something, Helicopter Summer or some low budget movie. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that. No one ever saw the movie, but he produced these kind of films. Mm-hmm. And I tried. I, I said, "Wow, go for it. Just do it." Sure. But a lot of people, they. Uh, you know, don't sell it. I went to my cousin. You know, say, yeah, no, this guy's got a lot of money. He said, he wrote right away in the email, I don't invest in movies, but I'll give you this guy. Uh, he, I don't even know if he's telling the truth because you know they lie. Sure. He sent it to him. I never got any notes or anything. He fed me back. We we emailed him back, my wife and I, and he gave me... Um, I don't even know what the real answer was. He wasn't interested. Yeah. And I went there myself. No one was at the office. And that was, oh, my Lord. 
Is that the end? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, pretty right. much. Yeah. Uh, oh, just yeah, one last know. question. Um, so did the Bronx shape you in any way, shape, or form on how you carry yourself as an actor? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Uh, both as an actor and a human being, if you lose the Bronx, you're a schmuck. Remember <laughs> that. That should end the show. Because at some time in my life, the schmuck takes over and the Bronx goes in the shell. And when you, you lose the Bronx... You lose everything. You know what I mean? And I don't want to tell you stories where the Bronx, when the Bronx takes out warriors. I got warriors because of the Bronx. You sure. had the balls. You went in there. Uh, many things I've done because you were on on the mark. Then when the schmuck takes over, it's the one that's thinking. Yeah. And he says, no, no. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Do that. Yeah. Then the person runs away and then. You blow it. it. The schmuck tells you, go around the corner. You'll get the guy alone there. Guess what? The guy didn't go around that corner. You're around the corner. And now you're the so schmuck. So remember, that's right. No Bronx, schmuck. So yes, <laughs> the Bronx shapes everybody because you have the streets. You learn, even nowadays, uh, people growing up here, they got this thing. The, they, they've struggled in their life. So now you grab, you grab for everything. You want... You got to get this, the lottery ticket, that gold ticket. If you yeah. get that chance, you'll feel it. And when you feel it, you got to grab it. So it happens only a few times, you know? That's it. I, I, I got lucky with Warriors, and then it took me two and a half years to get the next movie, and that was lucky too, and I almost vomited on the uh, director. <laughs> We're going to save that for yeah, the next we podcast. Will. I really want to know. Oh, but, man. Two but and a half years it took for the next movie. So, Real movie, you know what I mean? So, I know the thing's going. And I'm, we'll finish on this. If if there are young actors, if there are older actors, if there are any kind of actors listening now, and in your what do you say, forty plus years? Yeah. Of I'm of old. <laughs> in your forty plus years of acting, yeah. is there anything that you can just impart on someone? Now, obviously, you just talked about the Bronx shaping you, and what I gleaned from that, if I wasn't from the Bronx, is that you really should just go for everything. Right. Is there anything else you can add to that? If you have the dream. And even if you're not middle class, if you have that dream, the bug in whatever you do, just go for it. Don't listen to anybody's voices. Filter out the good stuff. Keep the good stuff and just keep going. Keep centered and, you know, just be right there. And then when it counts, you have to have the training too. Of course. And if you have the training with that a little bit, because these guys are naturals and they do it, but... The training, boom. And if you're on your mark, boom, you got it. You got it. You're going to grab that dream. But you could be on your mark altogether, and you, that never comes your way. It never comes. Believe me. When I got, and whenever I get a job, I'm in heaven. I am. <laughs> Not dead, but I'm in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, you can't act when you're dead. No, you can't. Well, Walking Dead, what about that guy in <laughs> those movies, Weekend and Bernie's? They're uh. dead. Somebody. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, and lastly, where can where can people check you out? Right now, uh, I'll be doing. I'm doing all these autograph things. This thing's coming up, but I, it's not that they're hidden. I they're not solid yet. Okay, you know what I mean. If if I could grab a hold of it and say oh, I'm doing this, I used to be like that. Like uh, oh, I got this coming up and that. Yeah. And I used to have that all the time. I just finished this play. I always like to be like that because sure. then you're. Oh, because never, there's another thing, never be a sad sack. Oh, woe is me. Because no one wants it. Absolutely, absolutely. Nobody, and they never listen to you when you win the lottery anyway. You say, I just won a million dollars. Hey, that's great. How's your mother? You know what I mean? Say, <laughs> so uh, how do your mother for me? Right, and then, right. And then a week later, <laughs> hey, you won that money. Hey, can you lend it to me? I want to buy a car. Nope. I never heard of you. <laughs> I changed my phone number. <laughs> all right, well, with that being said, I'm going to wrap us all up. Uh, if you've been following us since the first episode, you know that you can find us at briefcaseproductions.com as well as our Instagram, briefcase underscore productions. Uh, on behalf of David, Joel, and myself, I would like to thank you for checking in with us because we, of all people, know that time is precious. And since you've decided to spend your time with us, we are eternally grateful. Whatever's left in your day, make your day good and watch more movies. We'll see you next time. Later, guys. Let's go Mets. <laughs>